like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. Be greatly, greatly appreciated. We are going to be having a nice episode today talking about Ryan Miller's retirement and why I feel not only should his number be retired in the Raptors for the Buffalo Sabres, but why he has a really strong case for the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. Talking about the Sabres' last two games where they come away with two wins versus the New York Islanders. Talk about Sam Reinhart and Michael Hauser, the unexpected star of the past two days. Then I'll be going over the Buffalo Bills draft, giving my draft grade, what I liked about the draft, what I didn't like about the draft, and then I'll talk about what I have planned in the upcoming weeks. But starting off with Ryan Miller, what a career. He decided to call it quits last week. He's going to be retiring at the end of the season. Really nice moment the other night. He picks up another win in the final home game for Anaheim that he's going to play in, the Los Angeles Kings. A lot of the older players, Jonathan Quick, Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty, all taking the time after, including the rest of the team, you know, shake hands and congratulate him. But just what a career. So many great moments for Sabres fans. Um, you know, Ryan Miller wins the Vesna in the 2009-10 season. Everyone's going to remember Miller most for his 2010 Olympic run where he goes 5-1, and one, has a 946 save percentage absolutely insane they come up short in the gold medal game in overtime with Cindy Crosby scoring the goal but just you know he was still the most valuable player in that tournament unreal he's the winningest American goaltender in the history of the NHL 795 games played the course of his career between the Sabres the Blues the Canucks and the Ducks he's 14th all-time in wins um, he's currently 391, 289, 87. He has a career save percentage of .914 with 44 shutouts. And for Sabres fans, in Buffalo alone, he was 284, 186, and 57 with a 916 save percentage. So just unreal numbers. He's almost 100 games over 500 in his Sabres career. He single-handedly carried a terrible Sabres roster to their most recent playoffs that's how long ago it's been since the Sabres have made it you know it just tells how great he was that since he's left the Sabres haven't been able to make the playoffs that's not all on goaltending but a big part of it was him leaving you know everyone will point to Miller never winning a Stanley Cup he did help lead two of the greatest Sabres teams of all time to -to back-to-back conference finals they just weren't able to get it done but there's also a lot of other great goaltenders who haven't won a Stanley Cup I mean, you look at Henrik Lundqvist as one of them. But to me, there's absolutely no reason why the Sabres won't retire Ryan Miller's number. Um, I think if you don't think it should be retired, I think it's either because you just think that getting names up in the Raptors is too easy nowadays, or there's too many names up there, which in the Sabres case, I don't think would be the case. Or you just don't like Ryan Miller or hold it against him that he never won a cup. If you want to hold that against him, 
by all means, but it really was never just solely his fault. It's a team game, and he was great for the Sabres his whole career, both on and off the ice. It was just, you know, just watching his press conference, and if you haven't done so, I'd highly recommend going and watching what the Ducks did for him. Watch the 9-10 minute video of all the former players congratulating him from all of his teams. You know, just the work he did in the Sabres community, um, it was very emotional for him, you know, just talking about the city of Buffalo, what it meant to him to be a Sabre, you know, the organization drafting and trusting him, and just the general outpour by the community in Buffalo to support him on and off the ice was something that you could just definitely tell how genuine he was, and I really love what Joe DiBiase pointed out um, on Lockdown Sabres about how genuine Ryan Miller always was when he was given interviews from the highest of the high moments to lowest of lows. I mean, you go back to when he gets ran by Milan Lucic. He flat out calls Lucic a piece of shit right after the game. Um, And then, you know, in his farewell press conference when he gets traded to the Blues from Buffalo, just... The genuine emotion in his voice, the crying, um, just the genuine thoughtful answers, not just some bland, generic, you know, we have to get better or I have to be better. Like he would always go into detail about what he needed to do. Um, He talked about how he wants to get involved in management in the future, about building a team, not necessarily coaching. I think it's a really great route for him to go. Um, But just looking at the names of the current Sabres retired numbers, you know, you have Tim Horton, obviously the French connection with Rick Martin, Rene Robert, and Gilbert Perot. You have Pat LaFontaine and Danny Gare, and then most recently, Dominic Hasek. But, you know, you look at the 2000s and the great era of hockey the Sabres had then, um, and there's nothing in the rafters to really you know, symbolize how great those teams were. You know, Thomas Vanek, Jason Pominville, um, you know, Breer and Jury are guys that have been thrown around. Do they, should they have their names up there? You know, the one I think that gets talked about the most, maybe not as much recently because of how bad team is, but everyone thought, you know, Eichel's name is going to be up there one day or Darlene. Um, Vanek's name's obviously not going up there because Rasmus Darlene currently wears 26. Pominville's another interesting one. Um, maybe one day his goes up there. But, you know, I think Drew and Briere, if they would have stayed longer, could have had their name up there. But um, we all know how that panned out. But it's not a coincidence either that Linus Allmark wore 30, you know, when he was over in Sweden and then with Rochester all the way up until the Sabres and he has to wear 35 and no one's worn 30 since Ryan Miller left. Um, so to me, he should absolutely be up there. I mean, he is one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. You know, you can say what you want that he's not as good as Dominic Hasek, but I think what Ryan Miller did for the city of Buffalo on and off the ice um, is greater than what Dominic Hasek did for Buffalo. And you can argue that, but Ryan Miller's impact, he's one of the most beloved Sabres of all time. Um, and just what he did in his tenure here, I mean, a 916 save percentage, leading the team to multiple playoff, you know, appearances and deep playoff runs, um, the Olympics, the Vesna trophy. And to me, he shouldn't just get his name in the rafters. He should be in the hall of fame. 
I mean, you look at the current players that are ahead of Ryan Miller in all-time wins that aren't currently um, in the Hall of Fame. It's Marc-Andre Fleury, who will be a Hall of Famer. Roberto Luongo will be a Hall of Famer. Henrik Lundqvist, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's kind of in the same situation as Miller, where he doesn't have a Stanley Cup to his name, but he is one of the all-time greats. Um, Curtis Joseph, I think he's a guy that's going to be in, you know, in the next few years here. And then Chris Osgood, you know, Chris Osgood, I think has a 50-50 shot. I would lean more towards the no side just because his career was so up and down. But those are the only players. And I think sometimes with the voting for um, the, the Hall of Fame, I think it gets very much leaned towards the Canadian side just because it is, you know, a Canadian built up sport obviously you know Canada's the biggest markets for hockey but to me I think the voters will take into account him being the winningest American goaltender ever and they always do tend to value the Olympics and international play a lot more and Ryan Miller arguably has one of if not the greatest Olympic performances all time by not only a goalie but just a player in general I mean he played out of his mind the entire Olympics and still somehow doesn't come away with gold. Um, so to me, Ryan Miller is one of my favorite Sabres of all times. He's one of the most loved Sabres of all time by a lot of people just because he was so genuine with everything he did and was just a perfect representation of Buffalo, very hardworking on and off the ice, gave back to the community and, you know, Hats off to him on an amazing career, and I can't wait to hopefully see um, his name in the Raptors and see his name in the Hall of Fame one day. Transitioning to another goalie who stole the show for the Sabres the past two days, Mr. Michael Hauser making 79 saves on 84 shots, a 940 save percentage, and two wins. The Sabres win 4-2 on Monday. Sam Reinhart registers two goals. He's now up to 25. They were down 2-0 in that game before scoring four unanswered. And then yesterday, they're down 3-1. Anders Bjork puts on a show. They come back, win a shootout 4-3. Bjork gets two goals and the shootout game winner. Um, but Michael Hauser is the story here. I mean, just you want to talk about unknown. This guy just came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, you look at his hockey career. He's been all over the place um i mean you look back going all the way back to 2008-9 he's with the des moines buccaneers and the ushl um then you go to the london knights for three years in the ohl he's with the cincinnati cyclones for 29 games the san antonio rampage in the ahl for 28 cyclones again then the rampage in the ontario rain the uh, manchester monarchs the cleveland monsters um, Cincinnati Cyclones again, the Fort Wayne Comets, the Tuscan Roadrunners, back to the Cyclones again, um, the Rochester Americans where he didn't even play a game, and then he goes into his first two NHL games and gets two wins and has a 940 save percentage and stops all but five shots. Just the way the Sabre season go, it's pretty cool to see a story like this. Um, Sam Reinhart is continuing to earn himself more and more money. Um, Don Granado is you know, giving himself more and more hype with the fans on why he should be the full-time head coach next year. And with the Sabres not being good and still more than likely going to be the last place team in the NHL 
and have a really good shot at a top three pick when the lottery comes around. It is cool to see stories like this. I mean, you look back at the last time the Sabres used this many goalies. You're talking when we have Michael Neuverth, you know, Ryan Miller, Jonas Enroth, um, all these guys, um, Andre Makarov, um, and it's just a really cool story for Hauser. Hopefully these last few games of the season, the Sabres will be able to put some wins together. But beating a good Islanders team who, you know, they locked up a playoff spot but still can have um, or still want to be going in the right direction going in the playoffs, not losing to the Sabres twice. But it's really cool. Anders Bjork's, you know, having a really good um, season for the Sabres since he got traded here. Um, and there's only a few games left here in the season for Buffalo as they have the Penguins two more times. Um, you know, not much else to say other than these two games. You know, I'll talk about next week, them closing off the season, how their offseason is going to look with Sam Reinhardt and Linus Ulmer. But overall, at least lately, the young players, the middle staff, the Thompsons of the world, Asplunds have been playing really well. Um, this Hauser story is really cool to see. You could see the teammates after just elated for him um, in these wins. But just really nice story overall. And, you know, hopefully the Sabres are going to trend in the right or excuse me, the right direction here with Ryan Miller's retirement. Maybe it'll spark some good juju for the Sabres and they can get back on track here as soon as possible. Um, transitioning over to the Buffalo Bills, they just finished off their draft for the 2021 year. Um, I'm just going to go through the picks really quickly. Round one, they selected Gregory Rousseau, the defensive end from the University of Miami. Then they selected Carlos Boogie Basham, the defensive end from Wake Forest in the second round. Third round, they went with offensive tackle Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, following that with round five as they did not have a fourth-round pick because of Stephon Diggs' trade. Last year, offensive tackle Tommy Doyle from the University of Miami of Ohio. Then they traded their second fifth-round pick to Houston Texans to gain an additional sixth-round pick. So they had three sixth-round picks which they selected wide receiver Marquez Stevenson from Houston, safety DeMar Hamlin from Pittsburgh, and cornerback Rashad Wild Goose from Wisconsin. Awesome name. Probably best name in the draft. And then their last pick in round seven, offensive guard Jack Anderson from Texas Tech, which if you have not seen a picture of Jack Anderson, I highly recommend you go and look up a picture of him because he is just a mere resemblance of Richie Incognito. It's actually insane. They said his nickname is Baby Richie. It's so funny looking at a picture of him. But Rashad Wildgoose, awesome name. Um, I really like the Hamlin and Stevenson picks. So overall, um, the grade I would give for this Bills draft is a B minus. I'm gonna go into the good and bad from my perspective, and then next week Tuesday. I'm going to be going in-depth on each and every single draft selection, so it's going to be a bit of a longer episode, but I want to take this week to go through and watch a lot more highlights than I've already watched, especially with Rousseau, Basham, Brown, and then I want to do a little bit more research on the guys in the bottom round to really give you all um, my opinion on these players. But just general overall thought, um, B- minus would be my overall grade. It's very hard to give out draft grades because you've never seen these guys play in the NFL. So it's going all based on 
what you've seen in mock drafts, what the scouts and analysts are telling you, what highlights you've watched, what research you've done on your own, like myself. So the good, they added a very, um, they added much needed pass rushers with Basham and Rousseau in rounds one and two, especially to an older position group on the team featuring Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, who are, you know, their prime two edge rushers. Now they add Rousseau and Basham to complement AJ Epinesa, who they selected in the second round last year, to kind of give some youth to that position. And I really like Rousseau a lot. Um, I was live streaming with the guys from 42 North 78 West Sports Show. And originally I wasn't super thrilled about the pitches because of some other players on the board um, at that time. I didn't know too much about Rousseau, and because he sat out this past year. Um, it kind of made me hesitate, but going through and watching some film of him and highlights and reading through um, some of the pre-draft things and doing his measurement stuff, I he's really grown on me. I really like the pick now. Um, there's a clear draft strategy that needed to add in the trenches and protect Josh. I mean, you look at what Tampa Bay did against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and that's the blueprint to how the Bills can beat the Chiefs. Because last year, let's face it, in the AFC Championship, the Bills were not able to get home. You know, maybe Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham aren't going to be immediate, you know, 8-10 to 10 sack guys. But maybe they're coming in on specific pass rushing downs and they can get you 5-6 to six sacks. And they're more athletic than a Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison who can, you know, help contain these more mobile quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, like Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes. Guys who are able to make, you know good throws on the run when they get outside the pocket and can really cause damage and then protecting josh you know drafting spencer brown and tommy doyle both these guys are six foot eight monsters tackles with you know position flexibility this tells me that they're not um afraid to let go of a guy like Darrell williams in a year or two if one of these guys develops and they just need to have more depth something that maybe they don't they didn't have as much of Last year, especially with Ty and Seki leaving, go to the Cowboys. Um, they didn't reach or make super aggressive trades, which I think could be viewed as good or bad. I think it's good for the Bills because there was rumors that they would trade up all the way to like 2021 20, to draft Travis Etienne. Um, Brandon Bean said after that they weren't really looking at running backs at all. I don't know how much I actually believe that or not, but I'm glad they didn't do that. They were able to trade back with the Texans, add another pick, um, which I think is always good to just add more guys to the roster. And the thing I do like a lot about drafting two defensive ends, um, I'll talk about why I think it is a little bit of a bad thing, but the good thing I see out of it is that Mario Addison completely becomes cuttable now because if both these guys show enough in OTAs and training camp and everything, you don't need to hold on to Mario Addison. You can get rid of him, A.J. Epinesa, Daryl Johnson, Jerry Hughes, all these guys along with Rousseau and Boogie Basham are going to be able to produce what Mario Addison can. I know you lose the locker room leadership and everything, but cutting him saves you cap space. allows you to maybe go grab another different Ed rusher, like an Everson Griffin or someone of that nature, or make a trade or sign a Zach Ertz-type player who is rumored to be cut by Philadelphia um, when June 1st comes around. So it allows you to do a ton of different things. Um, the bad. So... Getting a cornerback only in the sixth round is very concerning to me, but it's very telling of what Brandon Bean thinks because he said it. He said a lot of people were confused why he didn't draft him. He feels confident in that position. There's still a ton of time before the season starts. 
My thought process was go get a guy like Casey Hayward, but he signed yesterday with the Raiders on a one-year $4 million deal. Didn't understand why he did that, but then going back and looking at it, he's reuniting with Gus Bradley, who was the defensive coordinator with the Chargers. Makes a ton of sense. But other than Richard Sherman um, and a few other guys out there, there's not a lot of great cornerbacks in free agency still. So I was very surprised they didn't go and get a cornerback higher in rounds like three or five or even the second, which is why a little bit question going, you know, my other downfalls, two defensive ends is a bit surprising. I know it's a position they need to address to beat a Mahomes or Lamar Jackson um, or even the Browns come playoff time. But to me, a second cornerback outside Tredavious White, especially when there's some guys on the board there, um, I thought it was a little surprising. But the thing that's telling me is that they have supreme confidence in Levi Wallace and even more so in Dane Jackson's ability. Because to me, you don't wait until the sixth round if you don't believe in those guys and you see what's available in a free agency. So to me, those are my biggest bad takeaways. And then the last one, it's not really a huge bad thing, but um, I actually really like the Marquette Stevenson Houston pick. Very funny that he's best friends with Travis White's younger brother and roomed with Ed Oliver at Houston. But, you know, as great as the Bills wide receiver room is, and it is, it's one of the best, if not the best in the NFL with Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Kumaro Hodgins. The Bills are an injury away, whether that be Beasley, Diggs, or Sanders, from having to turn to a Kumaro McKenzie player full-time, or even Gabe Davis, who last year showed good flashes, but wasn't necessarily ready for that number two, three role. To me, I was under the impression, maybe get ahead of it now, and prepare for the future when Beasley and especially Sanders, who's probably a one-year thing for us, is one and done. But I understand why he waited. You know, I think they really believe in their training program. The Bills have been very lucky um, with their injuries over the past few years, and I hope it continues to trend that way. Um, Overall, though, like I said, getting the defensive line, recognizing you need a pass rush, getting a bunch of tackles and guards to protect Josh in the future. Um, you know, getting a speedster like Stevenson who also has, you know, return skills and Rashard Wild Goose and Hamlin, who Hamlin's I think interesting as well because, you know, he has some relationship with Dane Jackson as well. So him learning under Poyer and Hyde I think is gonna be a good thing. And I think he's also gonna be able to replace that Dean Marlowe role very well. Um, but yeah, those are my overall thoughts. Just generally, like I said, I'll get more in depth than next week, Tuesday. Um, but Saturday, I'm going to be coming back, um, with another episode. Cause that's pretty much going to wrap for today's show. I'm talking about Tom Wilson and him not getting a suspension and why the NHL P or, um, excuse me, NHL, uh, safety is a joke. Talk some MLB going over the NFL draft, which three teams I thought had the best draft and the worst. And then we'll talk about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. And then next Tuesday, I'll be back for another Bills Sabres episode. We'll also throw in some Toronto Blue Jays as they'll be returning to Buffalo June 1st. Talk about that just a tiny bit. Talk about the rest of the AFC drafts, um, how, excuse me, AFC East drafts and how that affects the Bills and the division. Talk about 
like I said, each pick a little bit more. Maybe I'll do top four and then save the next four for the week after so I can really take a deep dive. And then also just talk about the end of the year for the Sabres as they play their um, last few games here um, at the end of the week. And then talk about Linus Allmark and Reinhardt, how their free agency decision, which I've touched on before, um, is going to affect the Sabres going forward. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please, once again, give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. Throw some really cool graphics on there. Do some interviews. Um, I do have a few more interviews coming up. I know I've been saying that for a while. Just the timing with my new work schedule and the people I'm trying to get on um, hasn't quite worked out. But I promise we're going to have a few really, really cool guests that I'm super excited for um, later in the month. So stay tuned for that. But I appreciate everyone once again. Really grateful for the support um, that everyone's shown me over the past two years. Um, but hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. It's been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.